This is Queer Invasion Radio, and we are here with our usual suspects, Screamish Joy, Stephanie Crane, Jessica Sukup, me, and our guest today, Sissy Yado. Welcome, Sissy. Hey. Thank you for being here. We're so excited to have you. You're a... Um, We've worked together. We've all, I, I think mm -hmm. Jessica and you and I yep. all worked together on the bathroom bill and many other things. Um, you're a, a tireless activist, I have to say. The, the activists I have met over the last four years have been some of the most diehard, dedicated, tireless people I've ever known who are so passionate. Uh, I'm just, I'm in awe. I really am. And I'm so glad that I was able to meet y'all and, and, uh, and get together and get you guys having a platform to, to talk. What, so you're from, you're a native of RGV, the Rio Grande Valley. A lot of people don't know what the Rio Grande Valley is. And it's, um, it's a little, it's a group of small towns like Brownsville and what else is there? Yeah. It's in Texas, thanks. the border well, of, of all, Texas, Mexico. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Susie. I'm really excited to be here and join you guys again in, in this project. Um, so the Rio Grande Valley, um, I think it is a good description to say it's a cluster of towns, but also, I mean, it, it's a really vast area when you look at it. It's um, three counties at the very tip, and I think some of the counties on top of that also get, you know, bulked in. Um, so we're talking about um, at the tip is Cameron, then Hidalgo, Willisie County, um, then you'll get like Star County, Kennedy County a little bit on top, um, and, and they, they, they're connected, interconnected in the way. Oh, did you have a better description? My partner is here, and she is also from the Rio Grande Valley. We are transplant oh. moved to Austin for work, um, and then here we are. Um, so, so, yeah, she's in the background doing things. <laughs> Awesome. Better description. That's not what you say. I understand. I used to have one of those. I, we'll, we'll have that. You know, every once in a while, she's an organizer also. So every once in a while, we'll get into like discussions about, you know, things. And, and yeah, the topic, you know, could be today's topic, the Rio Grande Valley and how we define That's it. That's very cool. People. You mentioned yeah. being a transplant. How, how long ago did y'all come to Austin from RGV? Um, I moved here at the beginning of 2017, so January 2017, um, specifically to work on that legislative session where the bathroom bell came up, right? Um, so, yeah, it's been uh, about three years. About three years, um, yeah. And yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> and of course, you know, I've been to Austin before, but it was very, like, passive, right? Like, I... Um, maybe I could say I would come vacation here, though not really. I would just kind of pass by. Um, so I hadn't spent much time in Austin prior to that. So when you moved here, you moved here with HRC, right? They moved you. Is that correct? Yeah. Or how I, did that, okay. That's a super good question. Um, as an organizer and a campaigner, um, the campaigner side of it is more like you, you start hopping from campaign to campaign. I didn't even realize how deep in, in this I was until I started <laughs> moving for these campaigns. And um, the first mm -hmm. campaign that I moved for was the, the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance. Um, I was doing um, LGBTQIA organizing in the Rio Grande Valley, and then um, the HERO ballot initiative um, came up. It's something that locals had been, you know, um, advocating for for a couple of years, and then, of course, like always, Republicans um, 
or orchestrated uh, something, including that included the Texas Supreme Court. What it was, it was a signatures. Um, they, the opposition, folks, the opposition of the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance um, collected signatures. They were bogus signatures every round. And finally, the Supreme Court said, we're going to put it on the ballot. And um, that was in Houston in 2015. And then in a way, I got drafted by um, a good friend to go to Arizona and um, work a legislative session there. And then we did this really amazing um, deep canvassing uh, research project, if you will. Deep, a, a canvas is normally when you knock on someone's door, you talk to them, you talk to a voter for something like two minutes, right? But a deep canvas is you, you allow yourself to have a really deep conversation and you learn a lot about voters. Um, wow. so, so I jumped from there and then I went to work for Hillary in Florida and then I came back to Texas wow. and HRC was like, hey, you know, this bachelor bell. Um, and not just HRC, right? Like the whole Equality Coalition right. was gearing up because, um, you know, Dan Patrick had been talking about it for for months in the lead up to that. So we knew, you know, it was going to be a big fight um, that session. And it we was. Won. It was. It was. And yeah, we wow. so won. We so won. We so won. Oh, we my God. Did. We so did. All. But I, I'm always... <laughs> I think this is the, the cautious person in me that puts like a little asterisk on everything. And it's like, okay, we won that session, but Dan Patrick is still there and he does not like to be thwarted, right? So the likelihood yeah. that he's going to figure out some way to attack trans people again in the future, like that animus is there. And, and we have to unfortunately remain on guard, play, play hard offense, play hard defense here in Texas for our rights, for sure. For, for sure. For sure. So a couple of years ago, I was on another project and I ended up talking to a whole bunch of people from the Rio Grande Valley. And they were all, all the people I talk, were talking to, was talking to was, were like um, in their late 20s and early 30s, but they were all talking about how uh, there's a, a, a political division in the Rio Grande Valley that's mm -hmm. generational. The mm -hmm. older people are very conservative, very Republican, and the younger people tend to vote uh, progressive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is, you know, that obviously that kind of mirrors the U.S. population. But they, they talked about it being, you know, amplified in the Rio Grande Valley. It, it, did you see that or? You know anything? That is such a great question. That is such a good question because I think generationally, most most people, and I don't want to, again, it, it's not something like 99%, right? Like we can't put numbers on it no. like that. But generationally, um, people in the Rio Grande Valley have a strong identification as, as Democrats. Mm -hmm. They're very, um, hey, you know what? When we were coming up, you know, we're talking about the civil rights movement, we're talking about a time where um, immigration authorities and the Texas Rangers were doing awful things to our elders. Like they were murdering people. Mm -hmm. So we we understand from like a perspective of like the power of change and the power of politics, how we have to own that power generationally. Um, the power of not being a Republican in that space at that time um, and, and how those politics play out now. So I think generationally there's a strong pride for identifying as a Democrat. Mm -hmm. But I think you bring up, and this is why this is such a great question, because even though you identify, you can identify as a Democrat 
but not espouse the values of, of mm. the, you know, if you look at the Democratic Party plank, the platform now and what it was five years ago, six years ago, eight, you know, it's, it's very different. It's radically different. When I started organizing in the Rio Grande Valley, it was a huge, and I wasn't even part of that committee of the Democratic committee that uh, set up a plank to include um, gay marriage, LGBTQ, you know, same-sex couples marriage. That was a big win for te in Texas for the Democratic Party and, mm -hmm. and queer people in Texas. So in the RGV, you're, you're talking about different different um, struggles and plights that people are feeling on the ground right now. Um, the the uh, the pandemic. Um, on top of Hurricane Hannah is, is very real for folks right now, but that doesn't mean everyone is going to support um, a, a measure where you have um, a stipend for everyone to pay rent or um, maybe that's stimulus money, but, but unemployment, white unemployment's not, you know, and, and I don't want to speak for anyone there either, but a good a good marker for those politics is the election of Senator Eddie Lucio, who is a representative of of the Rio Grande. And keep in mind, like these districts can be you know gerrymandered to a degree, right? But his right. district covers the majority of Cameron County, which is the tip of Texas, and then it covers half, more or less, of Hidalgo County, which is like mid valley. It's like you know, if you wanted to cut the valley in half, that's the top, you get the, the tip and then you get the, the upper portion of the of the border. So then Eddie Lucio, represent, Senator Eddie Lucio III represents that. And then a little bit up north, um, just shy of like Corpus, I think it includes Raymondville or something like that, maybe uh, um, Port, okay, I'm getting too into the, the, okay. the ge geography of it. But, but what you see here and what we saw this, election was um, organizing on behalf of local youth um, who see how these policies that he's advocated for in the past have harmed them, whether they're anti-women, anti-LGBTQ, anti-worker policies. They see the legacy of his decades as a senator and how it's, it's completely goes against democratic mm -hmm. values mm -hmm. and yet, i still don't know why they vote for that man uh, i mean <laughs> he's not well, a democrat and, and my segue to this is um that there is power does not beget power right like they are not going to let him and what i mean mm -hmm. is you have a whole delegation of democrats who are maybe not as extreme as Eddie Lucio III, but who still will do everything to protect his place in that Democratic delegation. And, you know, and those folks will also have a strong, um, a strong base. And, and it, it's not so much the Valley is, it's not, I, I think it's easy to be like, oh, our parents are conservative or, I think it's more about the money and the in the in the literal politics behind it. And when I say literal politics, I'm talking about smoke screen, right? Like mm. you're talking about a place that's five, six hours detached from the Texas Capitol. 
And the things that mm-hmm. we see happen here and what actually makes it back, back home, I, I think there's a huge gap of information there um, that our families don't get to see the whole picture. So you have this the system that's, that's literally built on like money and power and misinformation in a sense, and people don't get to see the full picture. But what what amazing activists or amazing organizers were able to do this session is kind of pull that screen back a little bit more and say, hey, these are all of the things that um, that Eddie Lucy the um, Third was was pushing for and who he's working with and who he's advocating for in the Texas Ledge. Um, a local Valley organizer, um, their name is Joe Wyatt Jr. Sorry, I'm like trying to remember the whole, they organized a, um, a virtual town hall and like maybe a week before election and so many people came on here and just voiced their disappointment with um, who, who they've dubbed Sucio Lucio. And I thought that was a very powerful moment. What do they call him? What, what do they call him? Sucio Lucio, like dirty Luc- Lucio. Oh, and Sucio Lucio. Oh, okay, okay, Sucio okay, Lucio. Okay, and it. his office like <laughs> and, and several, you know, local elected leaders tried to spin that and say, hey, that's, you know, a racist remark. But that's honestly okay, just I... plain Spanish. It's not a slur. Right, right. It's not <laughs> Spanish. These are just and, words. <laughs> yeah. And people called him out on that. And and it was a, a really um, powerful moment for folks to come together in that way to say, no, we're not. And I don't want to say he nearly lost that election. I think they definitely put him on guard. You know, they he's he's got to be on his toes now. It might be his last term. It's it's a long time for to wait for change right um but but there's there's a lot of hope there with the great work that people have done there um, sissy tell us about elizabeth warren please because you know <laughs> i have long been in love with her like, and i have a fangirl moment <laughs> if she knew me she would not be married if you know what i'm saying oh <laughs> let me say so i think the first time i met elizabeth warren was uh, I think it might have been 2018. It couldn't have been 2018, was it? Okay. So I met her at the Netroots conference, and it was um, I was working with the Human Rights Campaign, and it was the spur of like the moment thing of like, hey, you know, uh, HRC supporters are being invited to like say hi to some people or whatever, right? So like we were ushered backstage while there was like a presentation happening, and then it was like this space where it was imagine backstage at a convention center normally where like a, a vending things happen I don't know it was just like this room and I go and as I'm going through those doors I see a cardigan and <laughs> I the, it's, I don't remember I could have been a purple cardigan I think it was <laughs> Since purple is the theme of today's show uh, so and, and Elizabeth Warren just like holds out her arms like so wide and keep in mind I've been out as a non-binary person for for some years but it's still you know the way you navigate the world is is still sometimes touch and go like if you're at home you feel good but if you're in a a new space you kind of have to like figure it out I'm a little guarded for sure And, and this person was just so sweet embrace like the, the sweetest warmest embrace I could have imagined never had an experience like that with a 
um, political or politician, you know, it's just <laughs> someone running for office and elected, so much less a United States senator. And it was You've just, clearly yeah. never hugged Adler. <laughs> I, oh my god i have not i have not oh my god that was a joke <laughs> i feel like that's a very austin joke right? <laughs> i have not but, but oh my god you will <laughs> not hugged many like i it's not a thing but, but here was elizabeth warren and she was just the sweetest person, um, and <laughs> IRL, the sweetest person, we took a photo, and it, it was just a moment that I sat on for a while, I was like, that was, that was really cool, and she was just nice, and I felt yeah. that warmth, it was very, like, it was like hugging a grandma, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I felt that care. Um, what do you so, think about her for VP? You know, I, I'm team Warren all the way. But I, I also know, right? think there, look, you know, Biden was not my first choice or my second choice, but here we are. Or my third choice. Here we are. He's it's really the choice. It's really the choice. Biden's it's the choice. what we got. <laughs> it's what we got. It's what we got. But, you know, um, yeah, so so the the VP slot, um, I, I don't I don't like the framing of it as like a consolation prize support that really annoys me. Um, yeah. and, and and the fact that we've had to wait this long to find out who our VP is also really annoys me. I what like is going like on a, with that? What? I think no, they're yeah. just. Tr- they think they're just. They gotta be just trying to milk it all mm-hmm. the press they can because it's you know it's it's not easy to get press right now. You know. True. True, true, true. Especially because he's doing the right thing and staying in the basement. I mean, yeah. you know, he's not talking mm-hmm. a whole lot, yeah. which is nice. Um, and and, but, and, we, and have, we have somebody else really, in that. It's like a retreat. <laughs> when yeah. he doesn't talk, we like breathe. <laughs> and and we have somebody else like attempting to be uh, authoritarian and, and ban um, social media platforms or mm-hmm. some other BS, right? Mm-hmm. Come on, whatever. So uh, that's just distracting from the rest of the conversations is I guess what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and as we were talking about earlier, it's hard to get away from that bullshit when you're trying Mm -hmm. to focus on something very important. For example, not just the, what's going on in your activism world, but the fact that it's affecting your friends and your family. You know, there are a lot of people who are activists and, and I'm not like in Portland, the majority of those folks are white, right? And, and they're out there and they're, you know, these things aren't happening to their family necessarily, uh, but it's happening to your family. It's happening to my, some of my family, you know, because of gay and ageism and stuff like that and the woman thing, but it's, it's a, it's not, it's not something people can relate to if they don't know somebody who's dealing with it or even have to deal with it themselves i mean it could affect their daughter or their wife and they don't care it has to affect and then here them comes personally. this pandemic mm-hmm. yeah and then here comes this pandemic and like not one of us is excluded from like you know the grief the mountains yeah. of grief like we're experiencing it's just yeah the depression is 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 magnitude 
I mean, it's just a million times magnified. I've, I called my doctor the other day to see if he can up my antidepressants, quite frankly. I just, I I don't, this is not a good space for anybody. Mm -hmm. I think that we'll all have some kind of collective PTSD when it's over. I'm sure I say that every show, but yeah, I (laughs) I mean it. It's the truth. It is the truth. With you, you, Susie. I I called in and up. I I added antidepressants to my thing. So I mean, I think we're all in the same boat. Yeah. Uh, I need to figure out how to do that. I have an amazing therapist who has been literally talking me through this every two weeks. uh Um, and, and I just could not imagine not knowing her. Um, so I got very lucky that, you know, a a year ago I had insurance and I was like, Hey, I'm going to go find a therapist. And I did that. And she's been amazing every step of the way. Um, but she doesn't prescribe, right? Like <laughs> antidepressants. Like, have, maybe, yeah. maybe it's time because, but, and, and honestly, like, this is a great moment to advocate for that to say, Hey, you know, we need obviously universal health care. If you are mm. in a position to get care, seek therapy, right? Because right. like, we yeah. all need that. And, and it's everyone. Oh my God. Yeah. My therapist yeah. saved me. She's amazing. It's been it's been weekly for 18 months for me. And, um, and I can't even imagine without it. And so, yes, I'm a huge advocate of therapy. Everybody needs a therapist. I absolutely agree with that. I don't have one, but I should, (laughs) and I should have had one for quite some time. You know, it's, it's hard because the, that it's expensive. Um, and then finding someone who, is sensitive to our community or what we're specifically going through um, as another community, as a, as the Latinx community, you know, you have to find the the right one, but they're very expensive. There are some that are on sliding scale, but it's still, mm-hmm. you have to have some money to go to a, to a decent therapist. It's absolutely a privilege. Yeah. It's absolutely mm-hmm. a privilege to be able to afford therapy. And True. to and your it point, it's, it's a trust relationship to begin with. And so building any kind of a trust relationship is a challenge, but then when you have to layer on bureaucracy and cost and, you know, all these other things, it's True. just sort of like, it, it is very difficult, you know, and to be able to find a good therapist mm-hmm. is like, pure gratitude, you know, when that can happen. Um, I've, I've had a bunch of bad ones as well. So I'm with you on all of those things. But yeah, totally, it should be covered by insurance without any question in my mind. I, I'm on that note. Oh, go ahead, Stephanie. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Well, I mean, I was just curious. I mean, just to kind of segue backwards a little, or I don't know, I don't know which direction I'm segueing, actually. <laughs> Sideways. But I was thinking yeah, about... Yeah, it's a queer direction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we segue. And so anyway... Excellent. Segway. Segway. Okay, so <laughs> anyway, I was just wondering, like, because you talked about being a transplant, right? And in terms of, like, coming out of the... the um, and I lost all my words, Rio Grande Valley community, and then coming into Austin and being an activist and working kind of transitioning in both places. And especially, you know, with all this other stuff that's going on, I was just wondering if maybe you could sort of speak to some of the challenges that you've, you know, or maybe even some of the experiences where, you know, this is it's kind of the same in both places, but these things are very different or I don't know any of that stuff or how it's or just even how it's affected you. And and kind of your goals with activism and being involved and stuff like that. So yeah, big question. Thanks. Yeah, that's a big question. Thanks, Stephanie. Um, So I am going back to a place in my life where I had been hopping around, you know, 
state. I went from Texas to Arizona to Florida, back to Texas. Um, And I hadn't done that in years. Like I spent most of my life in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, And I lived some some years on and off in New York, New York City. Um, But again, like finding home, I I wanted to come back to Texas and and stay in Texas because I wanted to be close to my family. in that respect, I didn't realize how traditional, I mean, it, it could be seen as stereotypical or traditional that I, I need to be close to my family. Um, so, so coming to Austin, again, no family here. Um, I could say that maybe some people that I knew had moved here, but I really didn't have like a, a strong relationship with them. Um, I'm in that respect, a little bit of an outlier, like my, my friendships, um, are either we're either very close or fair weathery, right? So, um, and then life happens. So a lot of that was happening at that point in my life, where like, you know, a lot of relationships that I had had just just grown apart. Um, and and coming to Austin, I I was um, the the closest people that I had were the people that I that I was working with. Um, so so that was my um my network that was my circle those were the people that I saw on a day-to-day um I think the hardest part of coming to Austin I'm like trying to like balance everything out because while it was a big transition a big challenge to transition and it kind of sucked and it was like painful to grow into like the coming out of it is just like oh I really you know enjoy the space I really like living in Austin for many reasons, but there's also some valid criticisms of Austin that sure. many Austinites <laughs> have, um, like the housing situation, um, and maybe public transportation. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> maybe but in let's that go with moment, for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You're right. You're right. That's it for sure. It is. Um, I think for me, it was finding a little piece of home because. Uh, uh, let's just put it I know Austin wants to tout itself as like a taco capital of sorts I even mm. said it like the way taco, uh, um, taco. but I mean like taco <laughs> oh no uh, I'm, I'm just messing with y'all right but, but, but it's true it's true it's totally true we like also have burritos a burrito <laughs> yeah so, so that was hard to like adjust to like Austin's version of like Tex-Mex food or like Mexican food which is like my go-to food because that's what I like to eat all the time like I could I could never turn down a taco you know or a taco no. um, why would you turn down so a taco right, I could never turn it down I mean, <laughs> that's how gay I am I could never turn down a taco I mean it really is Osmex. it really is like it's on like it is weird fusion of itself <laughs> Which, yeah <laughs> for sure it forced me to be a better cook um and, and that's something i can appreciate yeah. right um but but beyond the cultural um it was really about community and finding community and it thankfully you know i met you two wonderful i met uh jessica and i met susie that year and and i got to see i got to peek a little bit into the austin activism bubble um, and there was a lot of players that year, anytime something big is happening. And, and one of the things that I talked to you, to you about before the show was like the urgency of like the moment and how like 
that could possibly contribute to like white supremacy. And I'm not saying like, I'm not saying folks are white supremacists because they do that. It's just how urgency in the moment lends power mm-hmm. to um, to the status quo, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to use the urgency of the moment to come into a space that what that at that moment, I did not recognize as my community when I moved here to Austin. It wasn't right. until I grew into the community that I felt comfortable in saying like, okay, let's, I'm going to speak to you as an Austinite because this is my home now. Right. And that makes, um, makes perfect sense, sense. because yeah. you, you know, when you have someone who comes in and it, it's, it's like when I, I mean, just to give an example, you work for a company and then you go somewhere else and they say, that's not how we did it there. And it's just self-defeating. I think um, it's very important to get to know your community before you, before you jump in start taking over I guess right (laughs) yeah but I'll tell you the land Austin Mm -hmm. is uh very very lucky to have you Uh, I don't know what HRC would have done here without someone exactly like you I mean you handled it beautifully you came in you worked with everyone worked your ass off I watched you you were you you lived right next to me we never saw each other you never saw each other I do I I would walk by your door every day (laughs) you you were my first introduction to HRC and so um, you know, I'd talk about HRC and I'd be like, oh my God, it's just Yato and HRC. And they're like, oh, HRC. Oh my God. And so, you know, I, in my mind, um, their hiring of you transformed their image, at least in this space, because they had some challenges beforehand. I agree there with that. Some really valid criticisms of HRC. Um, even, even while I was there, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and ongoing. And I think when I look at, I, if you look at the nonprofit space, the, every every nonprofit can be critiqued and needs to be critiqued. It needs you you need that analysis mm-hmm. in order for it to become better. It's important yes. for an organization to look internally, mm-hmm. as much as they are externally, as much as they're pushing the work. You need looking looking at your values and making sure that your org organizing and and literally you know putting out the work that you say you're going to do but also live taking care of the people that are working in that space um so to lose focus that's yeah for sure for sure um and and in that respect you know i i worked there but i also had valid criticisms for hrc and i still do and um I, I think of back of the, at that time and, and what a space we were, we, we could literally feel the cloud of um, the bathroom bill, SB6 at the time, <sighs> right? Like, uh, we, we are, we, there is, I saw your body like kind of like tense up, Susie. And, 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 and you mentioned earlier, you talked about this collective PTSD and it's like, I mean, that was a moment like that for us. And, and in yeah. Austin, the capital of Texas, where like, you know, I really have to give it up for this community for throwing themselves um, behind the advocacy and trusting. There was a lot of like blind trust that we, oh, I shouldn't say that, but, but well, there was a lot of trust that we gave yeah. each other mm-hmm. in that moment, right? To like, you know, we just knew that we had to, this is what we had to do. We had to trust each other. And, um, and, and that's where the two sides of like, you know, a moment of crisis for, when, when there's like urgency to do something, 
and like you need to trust someone really quickly like how do you evaluate that sometimes honestly organic it's just a feeling and you just do it because you know you're working with good people but at the but we still have to um analyze critique this is where the postmortems and campaigns come in um, at the end of that campaign um, the coalition of partners and the people that worked on that campaign sat around and and we thought through like okay this is what we did this is the good stuff this is what was hard but was worth it mm-hmm. um this is what we should not ever do again this is what we should do again and, mm-hmm. and you know you take account of the things that went well and the things that you can do better at for the next time because there will be a next time yeah. Well, and they, you had to, because they, and it's good that you did, because they came back two years later with a completely different strategy. Mm-hmm. You know, before they came, they came at us then with this, with the SB six bill, and then the, the, the uh, a couple of years later it was the amendments and the trying to sneak stuff in on attaching it to other bills. Mm-hmm. Locker rooms, they were angling towards. Um, yeah. Yeah. All the ki- the people being. Oh, God. Ridiculous. So what's next for you, Sissy? What are you going to do next? Um, I honestly don't know yet. Um, I, You're going to work with us. <laughs> Yay! That would yeah. be great. Uh, let's do it. Um, no, that, that actually does not sound bad at all. <laughs> I would do well, it. Um, right on. It, yeah, I'm, I'm down to critique everything. I'm a Virgo, so if you want to, like, <laughs> let's, let's, oh. let's talk. I will awesome. Virgos are my power <laughs> balance. I love that. Yay! <laughs> Wait, what's your sign? I'm a Libra, so I, like, really need the like, stability of the Virgo. <laughs> I'm a triple cancer, so everybody just shut up! <laughs> <laughs> what I'm gathering for Stephanie is that you need a downer. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I just need a reality check, okay? That's the important thing. <laughs> All right, all right, right, all right. That's fair. Sissy, please come back and visit with us. And I really am serious about uh, your your being part of the team. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Have you come on every six, eight weeks and, and give us some updates on what's going on? Whenever I can, I will I, I, I will commit myself to that. I know last time I told you off air, we were like talking about it. Yes, we can do this thing. And then I got an amazing job. But and then you got Elizabeth like, Warren. Oh, Freaking Elizabeth Warren. I'll Let tell you go. something. It's okay. That's who she I would is. not have been okay with it had it been anyone else. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> I would have not been okay with it either. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. And we'll be, uh, we'll be in touch soon. I so appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us. You got it, y'all. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Queer Invasion Radio. We're here, we're queer, and we need your support. So find us on Patreon or follow us on social media at QI Radio USA and listen to us wherever you hear podcasts. And don't forget to share our stuff and tell all your friends. Thanks, Thanks y'all. y'all.